Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prof G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prof G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, good morning, good afternoon, good night. It's a different time zone everywhere, so I'll just say all the things. Good, good month, good year, all is good. Welcome back to the Waveform Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Marquez. I'm Andrew, and uh, I just wrote all that stuff in the beginning of the script to see if I could mess you up, but you pulled it off. So I did. Not not as fun as I thought it was. It's, it was perfect. <laughs> uh, we got a bunch of stuff to talk about in today's episode. Really, it's just uh, it's January, and it's always it's always quiet in January, and we kind of know it's going to be quiet in the tech world. Yeah, I think everything we, we had so many things to cover last week, we probably covered every single piece of news in January. Yeah, and we now, fully caught up. For sure. Yeah. Uh, but we did actually catch up. There was some videos in the past week, the Galaxy S21 review. And here's the thing, like that, it's a great phone. It's a solid phone. It's a, it's a sort of a default phone. And we all kind of knew it was coming with that. I was nowhere near the first review. This wasn't breaking news. A lot mm-hmm. of you have already seen stuff about this phone. But we decided to have a little extra fun with the production itself because, uh, spoiler alert, we're video nerds and we like <laughs> having fun with video stuff. So... We'll talk through some of that fun stuff. And I also have here, sitting here, the Huawei Mate XS. Now, what's funny is uh, a bunch of rumors just started breaking out this week about how the sequel to this phone is finally coming in February. And I'd never actually gotten my hands on the Huawei Mate X or XS in the first place. So we finally have it here. I haven't let you touch it yet. I haven't really even done much We've other than turn it on. We've only unboxed it, so I figured let's just yeah. check it out. Unboxed it. So what we're going to do later in the show is literally give our actual first impressions and just sort of see how we walk through a device when we first take it out the box. Mm-hmm. So it's sitting here collecting dust for a few minutes while we talk <laughs> about other stuff. But let's start with S21. That was a fun It was a fun video. Like I said, it's a review that we kind of all were expecting for a while and knew it was going to be in it but we had some extra fun with it. Yeah, I'm sure everyone listening knows pretty much everything there is to of the S21. I still think my favorite debate is people debate, like wondering if glass versus plastic is, Mm. I think it's becoming more and more on the forefront of like, I think we're gonna see more plastic phones and I'm all for it. You you were saying this morning how there's like a really good debate on both sides of it pretty much. I can, I like to try to see both sides of every debate and some is harder than others. Sometimes you look at one side and you're like, this makes total sense. Then you try to look at the other side and you're like, "Ah, that's kind of tough. When I look at glass versus plastic in a smartphone, I very clearly see wins for both sides. Mm -hmm. Uh, You said you're all for plastic. I imagine you've walked through this in your head, right? I think it's just like, gives me that premium feel and then it's covered with fingerprints and then it's uh, more fragile. So it's just like, especially when the phones are getting cheaper, when we see the S21 lineup go down in price, which I think, I don't think plastic back made it go down $200, but I think it helped with that. It's and one like, of the things. It feels fantastic and it looks fantastic. So if I were given the S21 
at the same price in glass or plastic, I would pick plastic. So I would not say it feels fantastic, I, but I would say it's almost it's indistinguishable fine, from yeah. the glass, which mm -hmm. is really what matters. So I'll, I'll use the S21 line as the example, which is S21 Plus is glass, S21 is plastic. They're coated in the same thing. My feeling is glass wins in look and mostly feel in the hand every time in that one specific category over plastic. Plastic can get really good. Plastic can get kind of close. Plastic can get coated just the right way to look great. But glass wins in feel every time. I don't know if it's just because we like the heavy feel. Sometimes they go with ceramics to give us that heavy feel. And sometimes it's just the texture of it. Oh, so you're talking though, like when I first hear you say feel, I think you mean just like what my fingertips feel like on the back of the phone, which Holding, you are, yeah. but also weight right. and like just making it feel like we were talking earlier about how this phone is lighter, but it's not quite, there was like a V30 or something that just felt so light in the hand. And it's one of those things where at a certain point when you feel something that's so light, it feels cheap. It feels yeah like it's going to break. And, and I see that worry. I don't think that's 21 feels like that though. Right. So it's close, but in just that one category, I always give the win to glass. But the other side of that coin is, Plastic wins at everything else. Plastic is cheaper. Plastic is lighter. Plastic is, you can kind of do more with it. You can texturize it. You can do whatever color you want. We've seen some cool glass finishes, but I mean, mm -hmm. fingerprints are a thing. Um, so I always I always weigh those two things where if like, now here's the last part. A lot of people put a case on their phone. Yeah, yeah. And when you do put a case on your phone, it almost doesn't matter anymore, which means you should go with, with plastic because it's cheaper. It's lighter. It doesn't break when shatter when you drop it. But uh, yeah, I, I do see both sides of it. I I am on the train that if you're making a $1,300, $1,500 phone, you should try to maximize everything. And plastic still doesn't feel like maximizing everything because glass will give you that better feel in the hand. Mm -hmm. But for every other phone, for anything that's not your maximum phone, I feel like plastic is, is fine for me. Do you think, this is just a thought that came to my mind as you said that, but when you're getting a more expensive phone, and so let's talk 1200 plus, do you think people are more likely or less likely to put a case on that? Because I feel like there's an argument both ways mm. there. I want I to protect money, yeah. but also I just paid $1,200 for this. I want to experience it yeah. in its whole. Um, I think, unfortunately, it's more cases. More cases than like an average phone? I think there's just generally a lot of people putting cases on phones in the first yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I do think when you get like a shiny new $1,000 phone, you're more likely to go, I need a case on this ASAP. And I think that ends up in a case faster. That's a good point. And I saw a tweet recently, or maybe it was a Reddit post somewhere. It might've been on the dbrand Reddit, but somebody had just bought a new iPhone and they were really excited about it, but they bought their dbrand case after they ordered it. The iPhone came first. D-brand case came second and they broke the phone in the process of Oof. waiting for it. Wow. So it just brings up this really good point where if you're ever ordering some really nice case that's going to take longer, buy some cheap $5 case to protect your phone if you are that type of person. It's yeah, it's worth it. If you're scared of breaking your phone, always have a case on it. But I'm always on the other side of the debate you, yeah. because I am the no case person. Mm -hmm. I, you know, knock wood, this table's wood. I haven't dropped my phone in a long time. And every time I have a case on my phone, it's fine for a while, and then one day I take the case off, and I'm like, wow, this is way better. I'm <laughs> so glad they designed the phone this way. It's nice and smooth, almost without exception. Every phone feels better without a case. Sometimes they're slippery. Sometimes yeah. they get fingerprints. I get it, but I just, I don't know. Cases just never get close for me. I go back and forth with cases. I feel like I... I'll appreciate it, and then I'll be like, I can't believe I've lasted a year with this. I should really put a case on it, and then I get... I start, I'm like, I love a case. I can just toss my phone over here. I can just toss it oh, over here. I'm boy. at the climbing gym. I can just drop it wherever I want. And then I'm like, then again, I take it off. I'm like, oh my God, it's so thin. It's so nice. It feels so good. And then I'm like, I need to stop dropping this everywhere now though. Um, yeah. So yeah, case rant, plastic rant. None of that was what I wrote down to talk about with <laughs> S21. Um, I think the things people were most excited about in this were was some of the camera work and some of the shots we had in it. So uh, yeah. a lot of people asking how we did it. I thought, the thing is, is we've done shots like this before. And I 
thought we've explained them pretty well, but maybe we haven't. So I well, here's the thing: it's a it's an audio only podcast at the moment, yes. right? So it is pretty hard to explain how we created this video shot versus how the shot looked mm-hmm. in just our words. <laughs> so we can try, and we'll we'll break some some stuff down a little bit here in this episode if you're into that. But I I do inevitably think when we we start making more video stuff about this, we'll I think we'll be video podcasts could do like like monthly breakdowns of like our best shot of the month or something like that. That's bring Brandon. That in could be bring, fun. Yeah. yeah. Um. But I think let's uh let's take this one step back and kind of bring up the two shots we're talking about. Kind of go to the basics of it to explain it because we had a Reddit post trying to explain this floating phone shot in the most insane way possible, and really? I was just like. Is, it was very simple, and it's very simple, and a lot of people at home can do most of these shots pretty yeah. easily. Well, here's the thing about our shots is they're always, fundamentally, they're always practical effects. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you ever look at a shot and think, wow, how did they do that? Is that CG? Is that computer generated? Did they you know, have some sort of extra part of the phone mapped out? So they, no, it's always practical effects. And what that means is you can achieve the same effect fundamentally if you have the same tools, um, it just takes a little bit of editing and sometimes a little bit of tweaking to make that mm-hmm. final look convincing and sell it. Uh, and that's what we did. So the two shots, what are the, so the two shots are, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure the intro is one of the them. The intro is one of them, but let's take one step back and there's a, a shot that Vin got on a pink background with a pink record and the phone is kind of laying flat, but floating above oh, the Oh, the air. floating phone. So like in, in a way, in a basic understanding, those two shots are very similar the way we pulled them off. We just, one is with a still camera and one's with a moving camera. Mm-hmm. So let's go to, go to the floating phone shot first where the camera's still, which is, does anyone at home listening should be able to pull this off like yeah. very, very easily. And you can even just pull it off in like a Photoshop or something if you want. It's a very quick way to understand it, but paint a picture. Pink background, couple things in the background. There's a phone... Imagine it's laying face down on a table, except there's no table underneath it. Right. It's just floating in this atmosphere that Vin created, and it's pretty easy. And we had someone on Reddit saying they thought we had a high-speed camera and was dropping the phone, and we just did it enough times so that at one point the phone was laying perfectly flat, and we captured that frame. Oh, my God. And that was the video. Okay, Uh, part of the talent of this team is when we have a shot idea, coming up with the most effective way to make that shot happen is actually a talent. It's actually a really hard thing to do. When we have this vision of a camera moving a certain way, and we start with, what if it should be on the robot? And then we go, actually, we can just keep the camera still mm -hmm. and move the phone. A lot of this stuff comes from practice. Uh, so no, we didn't use a high-speed camera. I'm surprised they didn't go with fishing wire. That's usually the, the yeah. go-to explainer for floating things. I think we've almost always found fishing wires harder. Yes, <laughs> we, that's we've actually tried true. a fishing wire a couple times and it's gotten tough. Yeah, fishing wire is thin, strong, pretty clear, and for some reason really hard to keep Not still. Not stable, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, pretty much all this is is Imagine a phone. The thing we use to prop the phone up is two old camera batteries. Um, yeah, we're just also have something underneath, uh, not quite the entire phone, but propping the phone up flat above mm-hmm. the surface in yeah. the position you want it, and make sure it is not overlapping the product that you want to show floating at all, because that will make editing far far harder. And all you need to do then is get one shot of the phone on the batteries propped up, and one shot with all of that out of frame and just the background. Slate is what they call it. That's what they call a slate. slate. Yeah, Mm -hmm. there you go. And then it's pretty easy once you're in Final Cut or Premiere or wherever, just layer those on top of each other with the the shot of the phone above the shot of the slate and then just crop up until you essentially get rid of the battery or whatever's holding the phone up and voila. Pretty textbook. Floating phone, yeah. If you've ever seen uh, people, especially on YouTube, who have like a clone of themselves talking, like we've done in our own videos also, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a one shot on the left, one shot on the right, and a nice convincing gradient somewhere in between mm-hmm. so you com- composite those two shots. That's all it is, is composite. Making things Practical. Don't, don't overlap. Yeah. Like overlapping's the hardest part, which that means planning the shot beforehand or getting ready to sit in editing for a long time to mask that difference out. It would have taken us so much longer to do that with a high-speed camera. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine. So, okay, the intro shot. That's yeah. a little more That's a little more dynamic, a little more extra work, a little more hard to replicate 
intentionally. Mm-hmm. This is a fun one. But it's got the same basic idea behind it, which is if you can replicate the shot, so just think of the floating phone shot was two shots with the exact same framing. If you have a device like a motorized slider or a robot like we do, you can make those moving shots exactly the same yep. in both scenarios. So all this was was, I think it was three or four shots. I where think it's a composite three shot. Three shots. So the first one is like no lighting pretty much. Second one is uh, kind of like twilight lighting, Brandon was calling it. And then the third one was the full lighting and included the phone in it. Mm-hmm. So pretty much all that is is the same shot three times with the robot that's doing the exact same movement, exact same framing, and then transitions between them with some sort of dissolve to make it look smooth. And Now all this pretty- is is sounds really simple when we say it like that, but... If we rewind to Brandon pulling his hair out over stabilization. The theory of it is very (laughs) simple. The theory is very simple, which is replicate the same shot three times, fade between the three shots, boom, you've got yourself a a fun shot that's hard to replicate. Uh, In addition to that, we're using a robot that has its own little quirks and requires additional stabilization, sometimes on a keyframe by Mm keyframe basis to match shots. That's a lot of work. Then we're adding motion graphics that are tracked on top. Oh, yeah which is a whole other layer to the process and working currently remotely with our motion graphics specialist. Michael, who's, who's, who's now on, on Twitter. Now on now Twitter, on by the Twitter. way. I will add his Twitter in the show notes. Everyone Shout go out. follow him. Shout out to him. But yeah, that that now is, uh, that's just us having fun. That's us going, you know what would be cool? If we could oh, have yeah. like an outline of the phone, sort of a wireframe get drawn into the frame in the middle of the move before the actual phone shows up in that wireframe, that would be sick. Yeah, I'm convinced Brandon on his car ride in basically blacks out and starts developing these <laughs> ideas and autopilot saves his life. But then he just comes into the studio something. he's like, I have an idea for an intro. And we're all like, okay, good, we need to write. That means you can just go into the robot room and we'll see you in, s- yeah. probably I'll see him in two hours when I have to control the robot. You probably won't see him for like another six hours. I love the whiteboard sessions that are like that meme of, I don't even know what show it is, but just like ranting in front of a whiteboard about like how this is how it's going to go and it's going to look just like this. Um, no, but that's, that's just as having fun. Yeah, I think um, the way to, to look at it is in theory, this is very simple. And then once you get that simplicity down and know how to do it, that's when you can start adding flair to it like Brandon does. So like right. if you wanted a medium between a still shot and what we did with the robot, imagine a motorized slider moving forward out of phone and in three different shots, you change the phone to three different colors of the same phone. And then in a nice smooth tracking forward, you just layer those clips on top of each other with a dissolve and the phone changes colors right. as it moves in. Looks like magic. Yeah, so we're getting to this part now where we're having more advanced moves with the robot, lighting changes, and we're bringing in a graphic or a motion graphics specialist to, yeah. <laughs> to outline the phone in the same same way. So it gets much more complicated, which is where we're at, but that doesn't mean you can't at home try some of these simple things and yeah i can't wait to see what people do we've had people replicate our stuff and it looks amazing that's some of my favorite videos to watch is people attempting to replicate our like craziest shots Mm -hmm. but as in the weeds as we just got for the past like 15 minutes however long it's been i do want to bring it all the way back out to the fact that it's all motivated in some way and i think that's our biggest challenge is to give a reason for why a shot happens the way it does Mm -hmm. So for something like the HomePod mini shot, it's not just a fun shot, but it's demonstrating a new feature. And for something like the Galaxy S21, well, it's a cool silhouette. Like not a lot of phones have a camera bump like that. Mm -hmm. So we're showing and highlighting it in the opening seconds of the video. So it serves a purpose. Um, So I guess half the fun is all that stuff we do with the camera. And because we're video nerds, we're going to get way in the weeds on that sort of stuff and how to make it. Um, But the practical effect is motivated when you zoom out to a YouTube and a video production sense by something we want to show. So it is a cool opening shot, but it shows you something you haven't seen before. So yeah. that's, that's I guess, the idea. Cool. I have one more thing about S21 past the shots, but um, you had a tweet right before the review came out saying that the, um, that let me just find this, Samsung has the most improved and most accurate portrait mode in any smartphone right now. Oh yeah, a lot of people took that a little bit too simple. I think I think I will, yeah. Let's uh let's clear this up a little bit because sure. I I feel like it got taken maybe out of context. Also, it's Twitter. You can't say that much. But uh, I was just paraphrased a little. Yeah, a little let's too simply. let's go through that. So I think the main yeah. debate on there, which it was a really fun debate on in that Twitter thread, um, Jackson Hayes mentions that 
his biggest issue with the new portrait mode is that it doesn't have any lens emulation similar to what iPhone and I think Pixel does it as well. Jackson, I fully agree with that. I do see a pretty big difference actually between the iPhone shots, especially that have really great lens emulation at two different focal lengths versus the sort of generic big Gaussian blur yeah. that Samsung does. But my specific shout out to this the Samsung portrait mode uh, was the accuracy of the cutout specifically, the edge detection, the edge detection mm -hmm. and their improvement in that edge detection is incredible. They've gone from like missing a lot, where you know sometimes you like you open the viewfinder and you like start the portrait mode preview and you're like that looks like trash. Uh -huh. If the photo looks like this, I don't even want it. Uh, it looked like that in the very beginning. To now, it's like it's handling hair blowing in the wind. It's handling mm -hmm. both humans and like boxy objects in their hands at the same time. It's handling like the underarm cutout. Yeah, too. that's always one like where if your body's creating some sort of a isolated background image that yeah. it doesn't, it just assumes that's part of the subject. Right. Um, the fact that it's cutting that out. Is it's getting super all of that. Impressive. And so I have a couple examples in my tweet where, yeah, it's basically flawless. I mean, and this is again, it's not flawless lens emulation and realistic large sensor simulation, no. Mm -hmm. That's not my <laughs> that's not my tweet. It's just the accuracy of the portrait. I should have used the word cutout. Basically, I, I think it's the most accurate cutout or accurate edge detection. Yeah, I think would work perfectly. Um, and that's I don't think there's any debate there. I think it's the most accurate edge detection. Would over you the others. rather have an iPhone with slightly worse edge detection? And I mean, we're still talking pretty good. But like yeah. you said, cutout under your arm, maybe. Um, if you're imagine wearing headphones, like the piece between All your head and the headphone band. Um, would you rather have maybe it missing a couple of those in a really nice depth fall off, like a real camera, like a lens emulation, or would you rather have perfect edge detection and being able to control the background blur, but it's, it's not like a lens depth of field. It's just Gaussian blur. I would rather have perfect edge detection yeah, because it's that much better right now. And okay. I, I'm just going to err on the side of turning down the blur a little bit because right now, really the edge detection is great and then it kind of spoils the look by being this giant like super blurred background as if you're at like f1.2 which is weird because then you would need some sort of a natural fall off which comes from the emulation mm -hmm. so turn down the blur a little bit uh and it looks a little more natural and because the edge detection is like a perfect cutout i think that looks great uh i just think i see in so many iphone photos like especially on hair yeah and like edges of faces and ears and stuff, there's always like a, a blotch that they just miss. Mm -hmm. And it can really take you out of like exactly a photo, every yeah. time I see that, I'm like, ugh, crappy portrait mode again on a phone. Um, so I, I would I would take the perfect cutout. It's funny because right now I think I would rather take the lens emulation mm -hmm. um, because it does kind of feel like a. It just reminds me of when I was one of the first things I was learning in Photoshop was like basically to do that is like you would cut people out and you would change the background color and it's like, oh, this is so cool. And then you look at it a year later, you're like, this looks so <laughs> fake. Yeah. Um, but in the, because of all of that, I think the edge detection is much harder to accomplish. So I think it seems like a much easier step for Samsung to add lens emulation exactly. to their perfect cutouts than it does for Google and iPhone to get better at edge detection. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. When I see that that sort of level of improvement with their edge detection from Samsung, mm -hmm. I feel like their logical next step is let's do fall off and natural bokeh better. And that's gonna look awesome. And I think they can do that. And then add Helios bokeh. I mean, I would pay for that. That would be- I would literally pay for that. That feels like someone's gotta be able to make an app that can do that. Uh, Probably, but it's not going to be as good as if Samsung yeah. just builds it in. But yeah. That would be please, really sick. Please. That <laughs> would be sick. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just visible. Switch today at visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see visible.com. Support for this show comes from NetSuite. And that's exactly what NetSuite provides, support. But what they really provide is support where you need it because no one needs help where they don't need it. So NetSuite wants to provide you with products and services that are tailor-made for your business. Help where you need it. 
NetSuite is a top-rated cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math, see how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended their one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks, so head to netsuite.com slash waveform. That's netsuite.com slash waveform, netsuite.com slash waveform. All right, well, you want to go straight into mate? Yeah, let's, I really want to see this. We've okay. been talking about this, but I keep seeing that it's on the table. It's and sitting this here is on like, the table. I took it out the box. How many times on this podcast do you think we've said we didn't think this was a real phone? Well, the story behind it, should we tell the story behind it? It's yeah, kind of yeah, a fun Yeah, actually, one. I did want to say that. It's pretty yeah. cool. So I'll tell this in a little bit less detail in the video. So this this will be a real breakdown. Uh, is one of you. One of you emailed me mm-hmm. and said, hey, I just saw in your video about that other folding phone that sucked <laughs> that you've <laughs> never seen a Huawei Mate XS, a Huawei Mate X in person. I have. I own one. And like sent me a bunch of pictures of it and like, Here's the one that I use every day. This mm-hmm. is my phone. Do you wanna like? Tr- should I ship it to you? Do you wanna try one? And first of all, not gonna drop their name here for privacy reasons, but thank you, huge like shout out to yeah, you for we being really that generous. That. that was a that was a big first domino to fall for us. Going, yeah, wait a second. Other people do have this phone. <laughs> like, how how have we not tried this yet? Um, so we sort of went down a rabbit hole. We're like, maybe we can. He's out of the country, so it's some international shipping concerns. And now we're like, oh, should we insure this? It's a very expensive phone. It's his personal yeah. phone. We don't want to like lose it in the mail. It's not a cheap personal. It's phone not a cheap either. exactly. And it's like in in these times, like mail isn't the most reliable thing. So maybe we're we'll look into some other ways. But huge shout out for getting the ball rolling there. Um, then basically we did a little bit of research and started to figure out like if we want to just buy one, it's impressively hard to get one in the u.s or canada or canada north america they don't seem to and i can only assume i don't know about canada but that must have something to do with google play services not being allowed and just huawei's relationship yeah yeah so essentially we we ended up turning to we're trying to figure out well what if we (laughs) i haven't even told saf this we're like what if we ship one to super saf yeah (laughs) and then he ships it to us and then we have one like there's all these questions in our head about how to get one here uh, and eventually the wizards over at dbrand were just like yes we can secure one they're the smartphone mafia I'm they, pretty, pretty they are convinced. they are the gadget mafia let's not forget yeah. they secured 12 ps5s and 12 xbox series x for a giveaway no yeah. idea how they did that by the way and i i'm not even going to ask cuz there's probably <laughs> bloodshed i don't know how they did that but they managed to get a brand new inbox unopened huawei mate xs by the way, there's a Mate X and a Mate XS, which is a slight spec bump revision a few months later. I think we just looked it up on GSM Arena. The only difference is a Kirin 980 versus a 990, which essentially is just giving a 5G. Yeah. So I'm holding the phone now. I just mm-hmm. unboxed it. We're working on our video about it. Might even be out by the time this podcast is up, but I'm going to hand it to you for the first time. This yeah. is the phone we've been seeing so many videos about and like... This is the the prototypical like best looking outside folding phone. Okay, so first, I, the reason I wanted to do this on the podcast is because there's a very every single phone we get in hand, we hold on to it, we wait to unbox it on camera, and then the minute the camera turns off, all of us crowd around the table <laughs> and snag it from each other to try and let me see that. So I wanted to just do it live. We had some time this morning, and I didn't have a lot of stories for the podcast. I thought this would be fun. My first impression of this is. It is so weird that I can hold it and I can't feel the fold or the connection or the hinge or anything. It just feels like I'm holding a phone that's completely screen and has two buttons on the side. So explain like how the fold, yeah, that is definitely unusual for every other folding phone. Uh Explain the, the way it folds. Okay, so it is the exact opposite of the Samsung phone, whereas the screen is on the outside and the outside of the screen is folding onto it, not onto itself, away from itself. I mean, if you took a book and if you were some punk kid in school and hated books and completely turned it inside out so the spine was cracking on top of each other, Mm -hmm. that's what this would be like. Oh, this is the first time I saw it on. 
Um, huh, interesting. Okay. First thing I notice is when it turns on, so you have the main screen that's on the folding part is your main screen on the front of it. So it feels very, at first, like it's going to be bezel-less, but it actually winds up having a fairly large bezel on the right side. On one side, yeah. And then the left side is where it just feels like a curved screen because the screen's actually curving all the way to the back, although it does shut itself off. Mm -hmm. But it's like a waterfall screen on the left. Uh, it reminds me of the first... Um, was that like, it wasn't, was it Note 6 or was it like oh, S6 Edge? It was which the only Note, Note something Edge. Yeah, the I Note Edge where one side Only one side over. folded and it yeah. gave you a couple apps. That's what this feels like, except it's on the inside of my palm holding it my left hand or, yeah, the outside. Um, the other thing I'm noticing, is this a button to unlatch it? Yep. Okay. So when you fold it over backwards like Ooh. a book where you're breaking the spine, and you clip it in the back, you literally like fold it flat and it clips in and you have to like unlock it by pressing a button and it pops out like a book. Yeah, but like, yeah, I'm folding it in. I'll see if we can get some ASMR clicking here. That sounded pretty solid, actually. That was nice. That was, nice. That was the un unclick. Un One more click. Oh, yeah. That's okay. a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts if I've ever heard one. Um, I thought that looked weird when you pulled it out and unboxed it. That's pretty satisfying. Yeah. That makes me feel like, yeah, this this is clipped and it's staying in. And when I want it out, it almost folds about 90 degrees. And then it's a really simple fold out to your full screen, which looks great. This is why I'm not a reviewer because I can't. Do okay. It's a nice size screen. It's wow, it's real. Yeah, it's real. So when I took it out the box, I had a couple thoughts right off the bat. Number one, it's thinner than I expected. It's 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 about as thick as like a honestly an S twenty one Ultra. What about well S twenty one Ultra if the camera bump was all the way through? Yeah, the the maximum thickness of the S twenty one Ultra is the standard thickness of this folded. What about film. LG Wing? Wing is. I think it might be thinner than. Wing, wing is thicker than this. Can I go get wing? I mean, I bet it's. I you bet we, that's thinner than. Wing. I would bet this is thinner. I kind of do wing. too, but I'm gonna get it just to make sure. Okay. All right. So I'm holding wing in my hand right now, and I'm trying to think of what that just felt like. Final answer on if you think it is thicker. I believe it's thicker. Let me see. Let me see that. I'm holding the wing next to it. Um. It looks very close. It's very close. Yeah. The wing and the Mate XS are about the same thickness. Yeah, so. what's what's interesting is if anyone out there has a wing with them, imagine the wing thickness, no camera <laughs> bump, but the All three of you have a wing <laughs> yeah. and one and are interested in, in the Mate, Mate XS. Um the Mate XS is wider though as a front screen. Yeah. So it's still a chunky phone, but it is not unreasonable. So I guess because I was coming from the FlexPi, which was a pretty poor like thickness to screen ratio. Mm -hmm. uh, I was expecting this to be thicker, but it's not. It is thin. So I, I understand the off factor a lot more. Number two, I mean, maybe this is just my my reviewer side coming straight out, but I was like, oh, I can't wait for this to be 120 hertz because it's a 60 hertz screen mm -hmm. and all the animations are 60 hertz. And I immediately think, I mean, we're allegedly we're going to see a successor pretty soon. I'm thinking that's going to be higher frame rate. Hopefully 120 Hopefully. hertz. That would be nice. Uh, and then the third thing I just think is, all right, we're going to see rollables. The advantage to rollables over this is probably just the, the actual aspect ratio and form factor you get. Like you said, it's a big phone when you're holding it like this, but it's a pretty normal aspect ratio. Yeah. You cook it open, it's kind of like the Samsung Galaxy Fold. It's a square. Mm -hmm. And that's nice because it's bigger, but... What do you get out of that bigger screen? You can watch slightly bigger videos with huge black bars. You can type on a bigger keyboard. You can probably, I'm, I'm really into this bigger form factor for emails. That's what I've loved the fold mm -hmm. for. I just feel like I'm getting so much done with multiple columns. But yeah, this is, uh, it's fairly interesting. I think like in just pure design and feel in hand and just opening it up to a big screen, I'm so pumped at how nice this feels, honestly, because I think ultimately this feels like one of the best ways to do a folding phone. Um, I'd still worry about how delicate it is. One thing I just thought of though is, and I don't know if you have a fold, maybe you do this, maybe you don't, but 
do people usually fold it up in that almost like little laptop scenario? Is that, or uh, like if you use the, if you fold it and assume it's kind of two screens, um, like fold it 90 degrees almost and use the bottom as a keyboard and the top as your email thing, is that yeah, a you thing can't. foldable? You can't do that with this. Can't do that with this. I don't know if that's things people actually do, but. Can you watch <laughs> movies like this? That's. No, you not really. Huh. It's spring loaded. It's yeah. really spring loaded. So the I like the the latch. Yeah. Is that what you call it? Yeah. Yeah, I'd call it a latch. I'm just waiting for it to break as you're doing it. Oh, f- what was what did the um oh like the first warning. Okay, the warning that is actually the first thing I noticed. So when you take it out the box, the phone is wrapped in this plastic like every other phone, but printed on that plastic is a bunch of warnings. You get past the phone, underneath it is another card with the same set of warnings printed <laughs> on it again in case you just threw out the plastic too fast. Uh, and one of those warnings was uh, do not fold and unfold this phone in anything less than minus 5 Celsius, which for us in uh, in the States, that's 23 degrees Fahrenheit, which it is definitely colder than that outside oh, right yeah. now. So if I'm trying to take pictures, I better not fold and unfold my phone. Can I see something that's real crazy. quick? Also... I wonder about this screen protector. It, I'm surprised they didn't learn their lesson from Samsung, but this is... And they came first, technically, an, but yeah. Well, I guess XS did not, though, right? Oh, true. They should have made... The screen protector, I can only assume you don't want to take off, but it is... There are enough lips on the top of it for someone to be like, huh, I don't really want this, and do And the, pull it off. <laughs> yep. Exactly what we did. Um, Which means yeah. I'm going to, by the way. Oh, yeah? I'm going to. This phone is not going to make it through the review, right? You know what? It, it might I not. I don't want to say let's break it, but I have a bad <laughs> feeling it is going to break. I'm definitely not going to intentionally break it, but I'm going to treat it like I'm going to use the phone every day. Obviously, it's it doesn't have the best software experience to actually use it every day, but the point was I made this, this point in our last video about the FlexPie, which is we should probably stop doing the folding on the outside thing. This is like not the best way to protect this fragile new tech. We can come back to it when the folds and the creases are better, but not great, right? Uh, I'm not expecting to have my mind changed about that fundamental thing, but I think I will still, at the same time, be really impressed with the tech. I think both things can be true. Yeah, I'm just realizing selfie mode, you have to use the screen folded on the back. There's no camera on the front, right? so you have to physically turn. So you take selfies with the main camera and then use the screen on the back. Which is like a pro and a con. And then when you want to look at the picture, you have to flip it back around. Huh. huh. That's a cool first impression. Yeah. I can't believe it's real. This is, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm into it. All right. Well, now that we've established that it's real and you guys should check out the video if it's up yet, let's take a quick break. We're going to come back and we'll do some Q&A. We haven't done that in a minute. So let's talk. Support for this episode of Waveform comes from Gigabyte. There's a lot of talk out there about how AI is revolutionizing our world. Computers are writing newsletters, robotic bees are pollinating flowers, and a whole new wave of driverless taxis are popping up in cities all over the world. But how can AI power our passions and what we do for fun? That's where Gigabyte's AI gaming laptops come in. So their range of powerful and portable new laptops deliver cutting edge performance for anyone looking to explore the brave new world of AI powered gaming. So every 2024 Aorus machine comes equipped with the Gigabyte AI Nexus, which is like a central hub located with all the AI-powered features you could hope for. So that includes super useful tools like AI Power Gear, which automatically throttles and extends your computer's battery life depending on your power source and usage. You'll also get access to AI Boost, which optimizes performance based on what you're doing in that moment, whether you're ripping through an FPS or running your own large language model. AI Boost automatically adjusts the GPU and processors to maximize responsiveness and deliver unparalleled efficiency. Lastly, AI Generator includes various generative AI apps for quick startup, and all 2024 Gigabyte models seamlessly integrate with tools like OpenAI and Microsoft's Copilot AI chatbot. But the Aorus 16X and the Gigabyte G6X take it to the next level with a dedicated Copilot key, allowing users to swiftly tap into productivity and generative AI capabilities. I also keep hearing AI is going to change a lot in the gaming world. Andrew, can you think of anything about that? 
not just optimization, like you said, but like more personal optimization I could see happening where like maybe you're playing a competitive game like Valorant and you want higher FPS and lower resolution, like you, you're okay versus like The Witcher where you might want 4K crispy resolution and like a lower frame rate. I think finding that between your computer specs and what you want might help out a lot. Nice. So all of the models that I've been talking about are available right now at oris.com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. So that's A-O-R-U-S dot com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. Gigabyte, team up, fight on. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, welcome back. We're doing Q&A. We haven't done a Q&A in a little while, but that's that's been part of the fun of the podcast is talking to you guys. And so we asked on Twitter what you wanted to know. Uh, I think this is the first one of 2021, technically. So Yeah, I think it is. Of the new year. Welcome back. Uh, a lot of good questions, so we'll just we'll just dive right in. I have one right here at the top from Ben Sullins. Uh, his question is, now that we know the Plaid Plus Model S specs, what do you think the 2022 Roadster will be like? That's a that's the train's big old. <laughs> <laughs> is it? I think it's it's saying that because it doesn't believe it'll come out in 2022. Yeah, yeah. I guess the first question is, is it coming out in 2022? Who knows? I don't know. I bet no. I don't. I don't. I don't want to bet on that car anymore. <laughs> um, but no. T- so I kind of think it's still going to be in line with what they initially predicted, just late. So they they were saying some of those stats would be zero to sixty in one point nine seconds for the base model. I still think they will achieve that on like the stickiest tires. Two hundred fifty plus mile an hour top speed. I think is still achievable. I'm just not sure if they need further like maybe gearing or anything like that. I think they'll just continue working on those motors. Mm-hmm. And then 620 mile range is the big one. And I think when we get to those new, I guess it's 4680 battery cells for Plaid Model S, if Plaid Plus Model S does achieve 520 miles, then I think it's very possible for the smaller, lighter Roadster to achieve 600. Yeah, so it pretty much, what you're saying it sounds like is Roadster is going to be Plaid Plus with a different, lighter body that will... Yep increase a couple specs from it but not honestly not too much different yeah i think it will be what they've projected just late which is fine tesla has a habit of doing that tesla has a habit of projecting amazing things full self-driving is ready all this stuff is going to be great our specs are going to have this much and they never do it on time but i'll give them credit they always get to do it eventually so uh i think it will be all the specs initially projected just late I should sell a t-shirt that says that. We always do it eventually. Yeah. Elon would probably wear that, or at least on a pair of short shorts, probably. Oh, I have a quick one. Uh, someone just asked, how do you feel about the S21 going back to full HD? I was just reading that one. Does it make things like watching Netflix a worse experience, or is it only noticeable when comparing to another phone? Here's what I'll say. 
I don't think it's noticeable 99% of the time. It is nice to have the option of watching 1440p videos, and sometimes if you stumble across a good video, you will notice, but if you've never had a 1440p phone, this is one of the best 1080p screens ever in any phone. No problem with it. Also, I think the whole illusion of like these worst phones is played out way more in the comments section than it is from the actual tech reviewers. Uh, especially, remember the XR? Everyone was so mad at how bad the screen was based purely on specs. But like yep. John Morrison did a video where he blind tested people and a lot of them picked the lower resolution phone. You can have a great looking screen at a lower resolution and it still is going to perform very, very well. Yeah. I, I've looked at S21 phone. If you didn't tell me that, I probably wouldn't have even noticed. Like most people, if they didn't see that physical number, probably wouldn't really be able to tell the difference, especially because it's a smaller phone too. Like It's 440 pixels per inch. That's that's less than the, the uh, XR, right? Wasn't that like 480? iPhone XR was 326 pixels oh, per inch. Okay. Just but I think the, the sticking point was it was pretty big and it was only only 700, you know, 720p okay. roughly. Okay. So people got kind of mad about that. But hey, here we are. I think it's a great looking screen. Yeah. Before, yeah, it's a great looking screen. Go into your Verizon or Walmart or something and take a look at it. You probably think it's going to look great. Just like I think the, the XR looked great. All right. Here, here's an interesting one. And maybe I'm partially picking it because of the second part of the question. Um, what do you think about all these smart things and wearables uh, and all these apps with permissions and making our lives more connected, but at the expense of losing privacy and individuality on a larger scale? And then he asks, who's my favorite Valorant agent? <laughs> so uh, let's go to the first one first. Okay. Um, I think privacy is like a pretty, something we don't talk about that much, but I think that's also because there's so much behind it. Um and it's always something, at least in my mind, like it's there, I think about it, but at the end of the day, I mostly just know the way these companies are making money is by selling me ads. And if I can, and it works. I The amount of stuff I buy that I don't need, it targets it very, very well. So I guess I'm not that worried that they're listening to my dinner conversation about where I'm going, I mean, maybe, I don't know. Like, I don't think there's that much of my personal life that Google gives a damn about, except for how what my wallet's spending money on. Mm -hmm. um, maybe I'm naive in thinking that, but for the most part, I don't get all that worried. I connect everything to everything. I don't really mind it that much. Um, yeah, I don't think you're alone. I think it's a pretty clear one-to-one -one inverse relationship between functionality, convenience, versus privacy. Mm -hmm. And maybe we don't talk about it enough, but I feel like it's it's pretty well understood at this point that your smart tech has to know a lot about you to be smart. <laughs> it's why yeah. Siri. It's why the company that you know has the best privacy policy and honestly I've... knows the least about you has the worst assistant in Siri. I I've... mean, Bixby's pretty bad too, but at least it does a lot of in you know device stuff. I think I've never we, put that together. Yeah, it's. I mean, Google's assistant's really good for a reason. So. <laughs> Uh, I think the bottom line is, yeah, we, we probably could talk about it more. Uh, it's not the sexiest topic to talk about, obviously, but it does have a yeah. lot of implications for the future. And I think the, the basic understanding of that inverse relationship is important. Yeah. Um, also, favorite Valorant agent right now is Ray's favorite team is probably 100 Thieves, but uh, EG's new team looks good. And one of the reasons I really like that, um, two of the players, Alexander and uh, temperature I really like, but I also really like that right now there's a professional team that has men and women on the team together. I think we don't see that in esports that much. I don't know why, but I think it should happen more, and I'm really excited to root for a team with mixed genders in it. Nice. Huh. I like this question. What pointers would you give out to parents when buying their 13-year-old their first smartphone? First of all, I want to rephrase this question a little bit. Like if they ask for a Snapdragon 888, do they really need it? Let's not do just 13 year old. Let's just say like in general, if you are a parent buying your kid tech, number one, you rule if you're even thinking about that because tech is expensive and if they're passionate about it, that means you're looking at something they're passionate about and getting it for them, which is awesome. But this is a hard question to yeah, give advice for. It is. Uh, 
I don't think you need a Snapdragon Triple Eight. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say that. I think it's pretty safe. Uh, yeah. So a smartphone is is one where it's like you've you've decided that okay, they're at the right age where they need a smartphone. It's appropriate to get them one. They will be using the phone to be connected to the world in a way they've never been before. That involves po- possibly gaming experiences, possibly social media, possibly just emailing, whatever that is. Maybe just texting their parents and family members. Um, I, I think there's a lot of really great phones in a sweet spot of like well under 600 bucks that do that really well. Mm-hmm. The question is like kids watch reviews of $1,000 phones and they're like, I want that. <laughs> I want that S21 Ultra so I can take 100x shots of I don't know what they're taking pictures of. But, you know, I want that ex- amazing gaming experience and I want the fastest processor. Really, really, that's just going to be about future proofing. And one of my rules for like making an important tech purchase decision is if you spend a little more now you won't have to replace it as quickly later Mm -hmm. and whether you do you know high-end stuff on the device or not it does benefit you in that way so instead of buying a new phone next year because you bought a phone that gets old fast you buy it every two to three years because you got a little nicer phone that has future proofing i think there's another angle to that in is how not how much do you trust your kid but how how well do they handle expensive things? Because maybe you shouldn't future-proof something if you think there's a good chance they lose or break that phone in the first year. Mm. Um, then maybe go down. I think my my general advice on, and this doesn't have to just come to tech, it just seems to happen with tech, is if you're buying something for somebody who that is like a big hobby of theirs, if, you're, um, if your kid is watching a lot of tech videos and they really want a phone and they're asking for a Snapdragon 888, it probably means they're passionate about it. I think if you get them whatever, but make sure that it's a a decision that you took the time to research and you can explain to them the reason as to why you made that purchase option, they should, I would hope at least, appreciate how much effort you put into doing the research and going that. And then you guys can have a discussion over why you decided not to go with a Snapdragon 88. Hopefully it's not just because we told you on Waveform not to do it. Hopefully there's a real like, hey, the, the 765Gs, pretty good for this price and you know this is your first smartphone let's see how well you handle it then yeah. we'll look at the triple eight um did you I, ever did you ever uh make a powerpoint for why you should get something as a kid i did not um i definitely made up like weird thing reasons in my head as to why i deserved it i'm sure my parents <laughs> laughed at me but not powerpoint but i feel like you've kind of told this story before? i i have either almost everything i've ever used on the channel i've bought myself but one very early thing that i didn't buy i got as a gift the whole year i i got into canon t2i and i had a kit lens and i loved everything about this thing but i wanted a prime and i wanted a fast lens and there's this nifty 50 98 bucks and i was like you know what it's almost christmas I think I might be able to get this lens for Christmas. Okay. I think I can pull this off. And I had this whole bullet point list of like why this lens was great. F1.8, mom. <laughs> this is the, I'm never going to get another F1.8 lens. This is a big deal. Uh, this lens was like, you know, it was fast autofocus. There's all these great things about why mm-hmm. I wanted it. Presented all this stuff. I got a nice polite nod about, oh, that's nice. Um, and then I got it from Santa Claus for Christmas. That's so awesome. that was the greatest day of my life. Um Everything else I've ever gotten for the channel, I've put all of my hard work, blood, sweat, and tears into, but that lens, I, I, I did the PowerPoint work for that one. Yeah. That was worth it. I think this is also hard advice for us to give because neither of us have kids that we have to True. buy stuff for. Um, yeah. I think I'm sure it's very much uh, relevant to your context matters, but um, yeah, I don't think you need to get them an S- SD88. Don't tell them we told you that, and uh, good luck. All right, Sean just says, 2021 Frankenstein phone, question mark. I think it's been a minute since I actually tweeted or like shared like all my favorite pieces. You know how I'll go like, oh, screen from this phone, mm-hmm. battery from this phone. Uh, let's do that. Let's do it's that again. It's been a long year, so maybe we did it in 2020, yeah. but we're going to do it again. So, okay. Are we including the S21 lineup? Yeah, whatever you want. All Everything right. that's like already out. So I if I start with screen... I'm going to go S21 Ultra Display. I want that 120 hertz, of course, but it's variable refresh rate. It's 1440p. It goes up to 120 hertz. It's it's pretty it's great. it's curved. It's curved a tiny bit over the edges. Okay. I'm okay with the level of curve okay. now. So I'm, I'm starting with that screen. 
Then, but you know what? I would shrink it a little bit. I would, I would chop off a little bit because it's it's a huge phone, and I think a lot of people don't realize how big that phone is. Give me that screen, but at like a six point three inch clip. Six point three. So that's closer to like regular S twenty one. Exactly. Okay, so start there. you just want the bigger screen in the S twenty one, but I'm assuming. Do you want the same cameras or do you want a different set of cameras? I'm going to go with a different set of cameras. Okay. So this is where it gets kind of complicated because I, I end up pulling from different phones for different do cameras. It, do it. Get this. So, no one said this has to be a neat Frankenstein. Exactly. It doesn't have to be possible at all either. Um, give me the Pixel 5's main camera, the S21 Ultra's zoom cameras, and the iPhone's video cameras. See, but that's the weird thing is they're this some of those are the same, right? Yeah. The video bit. cameras. What if what if it was like just the video processing? Basically, yeah. I think the iPhone. Yeah, a previous version of this, I was like, give me the Pixels cameras but with iPhones video processing. Or what if it were iPhones cameras but with Pixel with Google's photo processing? That could work too. Right? I yeah. think that would be pretty solid. Yeah, I, the reason I just don't no, I don't want to lean too hard on that camera because it's so old at this point. Like that Which, old hardware, the Pixel's main yeah, camera. That's why I'm... I really like their image processing, and I think it makes up for barely that old that old chip. Mm-hmm. But if you put all of Samsung's cameras, hardware wise, and Pixel's image processing, I would I'd probably take that. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. So I'd, I would I would go with that. While we're at it, I'm just gonna go Google Play Edition on the software. I don't think there's any question. That's still mm-hmm. my favorite flavor of Android at this point. I'm not going to go iPhone with it. I still like to customize stuff. Battery, uh, honestly, I, there's a bunch of options that could work here. <laughs> Whatever's the biggest. Yeah, I guess like uh, 5,000. I mean, honestly, the battery here, but there's also the fast charging part and wireless charging and all the, the other mm-hmm. experiences. Um, I might I might just end up building a Google Play Edition S21 Ultra, to be honest, the way I'm looking at the S21 list. In an S21 form factor? In a smaller S21, yeah, exactly. That might that be it. That camera module would be like the size of the phone. It would be half the phone, <laughs> but that's that's my priorities. That's I think that's where I land. I like give me that. that battery, fast charging, IP68, all that stuff. Just give me the Google software experience that I know and love. Give me the image processing from the Pixel, and uh, not too crazy of a Frankenstein. Yeah, that's time. not I was... I was hoping for a little more. What would you do? Honest. What would you do with yours? I would do. I have no idea. I was gonna try and make some really bad joke of like the Mate X screen with also the flip uh, <laughs> form factor, and um, but that just got real not funny. Real I want fast. an LG wing with the battery of a BlackBerry want, Bold. I want the LG wing, but it can rotate three hundred and sixty degrees <laughs> and also be a fidget spinner. Um, I kind of like your your thought process of like better image process. I mean, cause if you do Google image processing on better hardware, like Samsung's, you could potentially get the edge detection with the lens emulation fall off. Yeah. Yeah. See, phone of the year. They it's should been have decided done it already. They should have done it. Yeah. They really need to license that. Or is it just because they've, is it so good because they've been using the exact same camera hardware for so long? Mm-hmm. It's gotta be that yeah. man. This podcast really makes me, realize very obvious things that I've never noticed. But when I say it out loud, it's like, oh, that's why. Yeah. Huh. Fun. I'm not even going to do a Frankenstein. Honestly, I kind of think that's 21's a great phone. It is a great phone. For a lot of different reasons. Yeah. And it's kind of just everything I would do. Maybe a larger battery so I just don't have to charge for a whole weekend. Um, But yeah, other than that, great phone. Okay, I have a a fun one. I haven't talked about this much yet, but... Tim says, when do we think we're going to see true over-the-air charging, like the Xiaomi Mi Air concept, go fully mainstream? Um, So, okay, let me just explain what he's talking about for those who haven't Mm -hmm. seen it. So Xiaomi, big smartphone manufacturer, put out a video that they're officially working on this truly, truly wireless charging, where your phone can be anywhere in a room, as long as this small mini-fridge-sized device is sitting somewhere near the middle of the room, and it will beam a millimeter wave like energy stream, basically particles directly at your phone. It will track your phone around the room and it will always keep it charged. So you can have your phone in your pocket, on your desk, you can be using it. You can leave the room, leave the phone in there, come back. It will always be beaming battery at your phone. Cool. Now, love the concept. 
If you read the fine print, they're saying this is uh, aimed to work at five watts, okay. which is the first, I mean, it's not a red flag, but obviously it's super difficult to make this tech work, and five watts is going to feel really slow on a big battery. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, for context, the the old slow bricks for that are included with the iPhone were five watts. So not super fast, not extremely efficient, but I think we just love the idea of not having to ever worry about battery life. I think that's the real thing we're into here. Okay. I'll talk about what you just said first, but I'm very excited to talk about this for a bunch of random reasons. Um, Five watt, I think it is okay to go down in charging speed the more convenient the charging becomes. So in general, fastest speeds are generally through a plug, second fastest speeds are through wireless charging, and then now wireless wireless charging Mm -hmm. will be the slowest. Like, I don't care if my wireless charger is only charging at 10 watts because I'm probably mostly just tossing it on overnight. I can use it so often that I don't need it to be like a warp charge where I'm just like plugging it in and being like, come on, I got 15 minutes to get as much battery in here as possible. Um, I do see it being a problem if you are somebody who is just laser focused on your phone for 10 hours in the room and you're probably chewing battery faster than five watts might be putting it in. I mean, TikTok binge or something like that, that could be a problem. But that seems so minute that like, if a phone is in a room, it's charging, who cares if it's five watts? It's just going to always be charging. That sounds awesome. Um, This whole technology though is, it's kind of wild. I wasn't expecting it, but we did have this like really interesting moment when this company called Figures claimed that they had invented this phone, like or this wireless charging technology, like two years ago, and we tried so hard to get it from them, and it. I think they wiped their website of yeah, any mentions of it. That um, never existed. That for was sure. <laughs> hilarious. Um, and then my other thing is, if this comes out the amount of conspiracy videos. If we see what people are talking about with 5G, I cannot imagine the stories people are going to create. That, that's definitely true. What we really do know about this tech right now is it's it's millimeter wave, it's Wi-Fi. It, it's yeah. gonna work fundamentally the same way as like if I was airdropping you something across the room. Okay. Um, there's already millimeter wave tech out there. Uh, it's just like people, <laughs> and it's just, it's also a millimeter, wide band of it going straight to your phone so yeah the the question is just how comfortable are people going to be with this like mystery tech they don't know how it works yet uh but yeah i don't know if the question so the question (laughs) to get back to your tweet is when will this be mainstream uh it's it's going to be a very long i'm talking like years and years and years before this is anywhere near considered possibly Mm -hmm. going mainstream um i love the idea of it being mainstream because then you don't need 5,000 milliamp hour batteries and phones you need 100 milliamp hour batteries and you have one of these in your yeah. car and in your workplace in the screen above your, you know, the the rafters above your desk at work. Like it's, it's just always charging mm-hmm. everywhere you go. I guess it'll be interesting how many devices can it do at a time. I'm assuming it can do essentially unlimited. Can you put it in a Starbucks and everyone's phone's charging in Starbucks when you yeah. hop in? Um, but yeah, so let's to get an attempt at a timetable here, what do you think will be mainstream first? Wireless, wireless charging or 8K televisions in people's houses? 8K televisions in people's houses. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'd agree with that. But that just shows you how far away we are exactly. from that. I, I think 8K TVs in people's houses is like at least 10, seven, eight, nine years away at the beginning of the wave. So. I would say the fact that I just upgraded my in-laws TV to 4K means I think we're officially at the 4K as being pretty commonplace yeah. in a household. <laughs> That's a good level. Um, and it was, it was like 300 bucks for a 50-inch Samsung 4K TV. I can't believe how much TVs have gone down. Uh, last question. As a professional Ultimate Frisbee player, how good are you at Can Jam? Mm, yeah, I am. So I'm better than average. Okay. But against other Ultimate players, I'm like, I'm average. Okay. First of all, Can Jam, if you're not sure, is a backyard game with a Frisbee and two almost trash cans with a slot in it. And you each have a team. You stand opposite of each other. You try and get the disc inside the can by jamming it, Mm -hmm. which is like you throw the disc, you try and get it over it, and your partner tries to slap it in. Um, It's a really simple backyard game, but I don't think people – I also am a Frisbee player. I don't think people realize when we play, we're playing against ultimate players. So it's hard to judge – 
what our level is at. Um, I played a lot in college, and we played a lot at High Tide, which is the yeah. spring spring break tournament. And my partner and I went. I Jason might call me out for this, but I think we went undefeated. Yeah, I think we went undefeated against everyone else on the team. Okay, so me and Jason are pretty good, that's but that's a, that's against our team. So that's our that's our measuring stick. Mm-hmm. I don't know about other you know ultimate club players. Or it's something. funny because I have gone to like a barbecue or two that has can gym but aren't frisbee players, right? And everyone gets discouraged very quickly when the two ultimate players are playing against people who they don't, team up, and yep, you just go over. go down pretty quick. Games <laughs> you have to fast. you have to break up that team. You ultimate exactly. player play with mom. Some other ultimate player plays mm-hmm. with somebody else. Then you're playing against each other. It's a little more fun. Yeah, don't be that person that ruins a backyard game <laughs> just because you take it too seriously. Exactly. Um, I think that's it. Yeah, we'll end it there. That was fun. All right. Well, we'll do Q and A's more often. I think if you have, I will. I think the plan is leave a little more time for Q and A's. We're we're recording this a few hours after we ask your questions, but mm-hmm. we'll leave a little more time to come up with like maybe a topic for Q and A's. Yeah, where we only talk about one thing, and then we can get really focused. And well, that's where we get into the weeds, and we have the most fun with it. Mm-hmm. Either way, hope you enjoyed this chat about S twenty one Mate XS and all the rest of the stuff we chatted about in the Q and A section. Thanks for listening. Catch you guys in the next one. Waveformers brought to you in part with Studio 71 and our intro outro music was created by Cameron Barlow. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right, $25 a month every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just visible. Switch today at visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see visible.com. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.